And now more Radio War Stories. Basically, we're doing a podcast that is all about Radio War Stories of the bad promotions, the bad co-workers, the bad stations, the bad equipment, the paychecks that bounced, all that stuff. Uh, radio is a very colorful business, and I've been talking to a lot of people over the years who have like, oh, God, that's a funny story. I can't believe that. So we're doing it again this week. We're going to dive right in. I don't have any prequel this week. And I did hear something that, like, when you listen to a podcast, you get tired of them building up. And it's like, just get to the freaking meat of it. I don't have a lot of time. So here comes the meat with another episode of Take a Shower, Show Up on Time, and Don't Steal Anything. Getting started right now. Today, a guy who does um, a, a, a four and a half hour talk show with five people on the talk show. And uh, I want you to get to know him a little bit here. His name is Greg Kretschmar. And you're outside of Boston, town called Manchester, New Hampshire. Correct. Tell me, Greg, first of all, thanks for being on the podcast. I appreciate you. Uh, tell me a little bit about your show and what is your show all about and how long you've been there and anything that you want to pass along. Um, how about, it's hard to do. I guess the way I, I normally would describe it, it's five very different, unusual people. <laughs> yeah. Who, yeah. Kind of, uh, uh, it's very free flowing, um, you know, life based, you know, family based kind of thing. Uh, it's like hanging out with four of your best friends and, uh, we do it for four and a half hours. We talk about, uh, things in our lives. We talk about things, you know, uh, entertainment news and we avoid politics cause that just causes fights. It's too polarizing. Uh, yeah, yeah, too much. But uh, yeah, it, it's just a, a kind of loose kind of show that has takes on its own life and goes where it goes. You know, it's not programmed by the minute. I don't have it like I'm not looking at a clock that says I got three minutes. We'll we'll do a 20 minute break, you know, and uh, just kind of have fun with listeners. And they're as much a part of the program as we are. So. And that's great. I mean, uh, you know, in, in today's radio world, they have five people on a show. And you just got renewed for like, what, a bunch more years, yeah, four more years. So that means they love you and they're going to stick with you guys. So that's not always the situation in radio now. Sometimes they're looking to trim and trim. So that speaks very highly of you. Let me ask you this one, just randomly. What did you do on the show today that stands out? Uh, what do we do on the show today that stands out? Uh, gosh, let me see. We did, uh, um, trying to think, what's that? Basically nothing. We kind of blended in and sounded like every other morning show on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> okay you know what sometimes the, the pd will ask you that so what'd you do on the show today it's like shit i go no I you, you know it's funny because uh, i don't know if you're like this or sometimes it, people in their jobs you know when you leave your job that the, the that night when somebody says what'd you do at work today it's a struggle for me to sort of start to you know uh dictate it back you know because it's one kind of of flowing thing you know some of the questions we talked about we we talked about uh um um you know the houses if you could live in any house you know for a night cuz i think they're they're renting out some the the buffalo bill house that was used in silence of the lambs right you you get to spend a night in any house real or fictitious what which house would you want to stay in and why because everybody always gravitates toward you know the um the scary ones i I'm not hanging out in a house that friggin' bleeds from the walls. I'm out. Did you just tell me to get out? I'm out. I don't need to hear it twice. But I mean, you know, it, it, it's kind of irreverent kind of things like that that would, like you'd hang out with your buddies and a conversation starts. And the next, you know, you've been talking about something silly, you know, for uh, for, for 10 or 15 minutes. That's kind of how the show, 
that's kind of how the show goes. You know, you know what? That's the best kind. Don't you get this once in a while before we dive into the radio horror stories? The best compliment that we can get, and I'm sure you get this all the time, is you guys sound like my friends. I mean, you guys feel like my friends. Like I could hang out with you. Isn't um, that the goal? I, and and yeah, and I think that's the highest compliment. It's like, yeah, we don't I sound agree. like some you know disjointed announcer voice. I agree. So let's get into when you first got into radio. You're 22. You're fresh out of college. You're like me. You always wanted to be on the radio, and uh, and you sit down with a big consultant to kind of go over Greg's air check, your audio of your show. Right. It didn't go well. Yeah, it uh, it was a life changing and career changing moment for me. Uh, I had I had uh, all my life wanted to do it. It was this was the dream gig, you know. And it wasn't about the radio station; it was about being on the radio, playing music, and you know that was my uh, dream job. And so they bring in this high you know price guy from I know his name, but I won't say it because um, <laughs> I'll never forget. You know, he's he's wearing a slick nineteen eighty suit. He's got his hair slicked back. You know, he's just Joe cool, thin black tie. I'm like, this guy, this guy was the cream of the crop. He's going to give me the keys to the garage so I could take the car out for a spin, you know, <laughs> career wise. And uh, he played about two or three minutes of my tape and he uh, leaned over in a little cassette record. He pressed stop and he looked at me and I'm leaning in because I'm like, here comes, here comes the advice. I've, this is going to make me better. And he says, um, you might want to think about another line of work. Ouch. So what do you say to that? I couldn't speak. I mean, the truth is, I'm a 22-year-old guy who just got his legs swept out from under him. I know, like, I can laugh about it now and kind of make fun of it. But to tell you how it crushed me in that moment, I can't even, I can't under, I can't oversell it or undersell it. It took every ounce of wind out of uh, of my sails. That's the truth. That's, you know what? Two minutes of an air check, and the guy told me, my dream was, I can say bullshit, right? <laughs> That's what he said. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. yeah. Well, Absolutely. I wonder if something like that happening makes people go, you know what? Screw you. I'm going to show you. So maybe that actually in the end kind of helped you because you're like, screw you. Have you run into this consultant since then and said, hey, I remember back when I was 22 years old. I haven't, but they were the consulting firm for our station for a long time. And uh, I started dealing with somebody else who had a completely different reaction. And what you just said is is right, because it, it's fueled me for the re- my the rest of my professional career. I will live to prove that guy, <laughs> that guy wrong. You, you know, know what? And, and think about it this way, Greg. If he would have said, man, you sound great. You got some potential work on, you know, blah, blah, blah. Sell those call letters. Work those time checks in. Right. You would have probably forgotten that conversation. Right. But this one kicked you in the ass, so good for you. And you know, um, it's it's been a lesson for the for my kids. You know, uh, it's been a lesson that I'll tell anybody that first gets into the business, and not only my, our business, but any business. Yeah. You know, nobody's got the right to to take what your dream is away. You can take. He can tell you no, but it's up to you to get back in the frigging game and kick his ass. You know. So that's a, such a great story. Um, uh, you, uh, you know, you asked a little while ago if we could swear during the podcast and, uh, yes, absolutely. Um, <laughs> you once said the word fuck a bunch of times in a very short amount of time. Tell me about this. This all happened on the radio. Yeah, this is, this, I was, uh, I'm a responsible broadcaster. I just, <laughs> just want to say this. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was, this, it was, uh, not my fault. And that's the God's honest truth. I went in early cause I was doing a segment, uh, when the Sopranos was on. I was doing the Sopranos in 60 seconds. So it was just a 60 second recap, but I spoke like Tony, you know, 
I was like, hey, you know, so uh, then a the guy comes in, he's got a, you know, a blanket. I'm using the F-bomb and it's not something I use all the time. But um, so I, I, I rehearse it three times. Okay. I rehearse it three times. Yeah. And there's 17 F-bombs in the script that I wrote, you know, the <laughs> night before. So I'm recording it in the back studio, far away from what's on the air. And I didn't, there's a boombox sitting on top of the board, which is never there. And so I recorded it three times and then I did the fourth take and I sat there looking at the boom box going, wait a second. And then I tapped the microphone and I heard it come out of the boom box. Oh no. And I was like, what is going on? And what happened was the station had gotten struck by lightning uh, overnight and somehow they put the back studio on the air and never put a sign on the door that said oh. on the air. Best part of it all. It was on the AM. It was on the AM station that played Frank Sinatra. Oh my God. And uh, wow. 54 F bombs is what I, I said on the air on, on an oldie station. And I had no idea I was on. And the best part of the story is that uh, when I finally started my show on the FM, there was a guy at the door. He came to the door and I went and answered the door and he said, Hey dude, I don't know if you know this, but somebody was on your air and they were saying F bombs on the AM station. And, and I'm like, Oh no, man, that's unbelievable. And then he reaches his back pocket. He goes, I recorded it. I got a tape. And he goes, you got to find out who this is. The guy has no idea that it was me. And oh, uh, wow. I took, I put my hand out. I'm like, Hey, I'll take that. <laughs> Cause this was, Way before the internet, this was this guy recorded it on a on a boombox, yeah. you know, and um, yeah, and and that's how it happened. And I admitted it to management as soon as they came in the door. I told the truth, you know, because I, I it was it was not my fault. I had no idea of knowing. How no would you know? No, perfectly innocent mistake. Yeah. Today, wow. I'd, have been, I'd been fired before before 6 a.m. I'd have been fired if that happened. Well, you know, what's funny is that, you know, after it all started with the Janet Jackson Nipplegate thing 20 right. years ago, mm -hmm. and uh, that's when the FCC came down hard on us radio people and TV people. It's like our, our policy in our company at the time was if you say if you say any of the words on the air, not only will you get fired, but if your manager tries to defend you, your manager would also get fired yeah. because they were not playing around. And there was a guy, there was an open mic at the state fair and somebody was testing the mic and they didn't really, they didn't know that it was potted up on one of our, our sister stations. And I think they said, fuck also. Yeah. And, uh, and they were gone and he was a great kid and great attitude and talented, but there was no, no defending him, no trying to talk anybody. It was, he was just gone. Yeah. Every radio station now makes you fill out some sort of, you know, do a do a test, you know, to, to make sure you know the rules. But I, how do I defend the fact that I didn't know a station, a non a non air studio was put on the air? That's not my fault. You know, well, but, you're an, you're an iHeart station, too, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So we iHeart people have to take like a quiz every couple of months or a, a, a training, I think they call it, mm -hmm. where you watch videos and you can't skip them because they make you push the next button like every 30 seconds, which god man they, they ask know you a us. question jo should jonas have said this <laughs> something like that i don't know yeah um, uh, so uh, yeah that i think you could still get in big trouble they probably loosened a little bit since then but you know what i'm just we're careful but you know anybody who says they never swear around a microphone they're liars sometimes you go you swear and you go oh god make sure the microphones are off 
It's yeah, like, 50, <laughs> 54 times successive. <laughs> it's a little good. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, crazy. Wow, glad you yeah. survived. Thank you. Um, you, too. you know, you and I live through the era of stunts, and stunts are not as big on radio as they used to be. But we used to have like a stunt guy that would go out and you know yeah. do silly stuff. And you know, I remember one time he we rented a parachute and he unfolded the parachute and laid down on a sidewalk downtown as if he'd had a skydiving accident, just to see what kind of reaction we would get and. And, uh, you know, we, we never really got anybody hurt. I don't think he did get arrested. He went to Niagara Falls and climbed over the rail and stood on a boulder on the lip of the falls. And he got smart. arrested. Very smart. smart. I, I have yeah. a picture of that. And it's <laughs> chilling. It's chilling, Greg, how close he is. And he's standing there with a with a cell phone in his hand on a boulder about the size of a pizza on the lip of Niagara Falls. And you're like, yeah. holy shit. Mm. You've done stunts, too. Yeah, and uh, tell me about some of the stunts that maybe didn't go as well as you uh, had hoped. Well, we've had, uh, yeah, we did them. We did them all. I mean, we we were trying to always kind of come up with some crazy way of, of of doing something. And one of the things we did was, um, uh, I think the one the, the worst one was we did a, a repo. Guy was gonna, our guy was gonna go along on a car repossession. You know, a, a legitimate repo guy was gonna take him on a repo, which are ninety nine percent of the time uneventful. Right, you just go in, cover a night early morning, grab the car and you're gone. And, uh, he did it. <clears throat> and what, um, our guy, our stunt guy didn't know is we had arranged for the guy that lived there to come out screaming, to scare him. You know what I mean? And so we're on the air and, uh, the stunt is happening and, uh, the guy comes out screaming and all of a sudden I'm back at the studio and I hear a gunshot. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, that's exactly what I said. Hoji, oh, I said, what was <laughs> so you that? Did, you didn't know either there was going to be a not, gunshot. I did okay. not know. I No, I would have never. <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, And what happened was the guy in the house took it upon himself to sort of, as he said, bump up the reality a bit. <laughs> so he came out and he fired a shot and uh, our stunt guy started crying. <laughs> he's he's oh, like, wow. I'm like, get the car, get it out. And he's crying. I'm thinking it's a gag. Right. I know it's a gag, but I didn't expect the gun. So, yeah. Yeah. It was crazy. Oh, my and, God. A legit gun shot up in the air. Yeah. And uh, I think he might have shot it into the ground. And okay. What he, Probably what better he, call, yeah. Yeah. What he didn't know, we didn't know. He lived in the woods in my hometown. And what he didn't know is there was a construction crew on the other side of a pond that saw the whole thing go down. And they thought he shot the guy. So they called the police and said, this guy just got shot at Lily Pond, and my brother, who's a police officer in our town, um, you know, the police responded with a SWAT team. And nobody knew, like the, 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 the repo guy, nobody knew the cops were coming, and they were taken to jail. And so when the police officers, whom I know, called me to say, hey, I got your guys down here, I'm like, F you, you're messing with me, and I hung the phone up. Oh, my God. <laughs> because I thought it was a gag. I thought they were of trying course, to prank yeah. me back. Yeah. So, wow. yeah, not not our finest moment. Did you get in trouble for this? I mean, did you, because you really, again, you're kind of an innocent, not a bystander. You're fucking, you're in the thickest shit there, Greg, let's face it. Yeah. But at the same yeah. time, you didn't plan any of that. Do you get in trouble for something like that? I got, oh, I would have had, I'd have been out the door. I, I would, I would have been out the door. The, uh, the um repo guy that we used who's you know is a longtime kind of friend he he came to the radio station he goes i swear to you they didn't know anything about it and he goes i didn't even know anything about it and wow. the guy who came out with the gun had to say no i didn't tell anybody and that's the only thing that saved us i'd never do a stunt involving a gun are you no. kidding me um 
but our poor our poor stunt guy man was balling it it was hilarious oh yeah oh yeah it's it real fucking balling. funny <laughs> i love that uh you know what yeah. that right there if i were gonna put a like a little bow on a radio horror story or war story that's got to be it right there where there's oh, actually gun involved that is crazy yeah um, uh, yeah. it reminds me and, and I, I, this happened so long ago that I'll probably blur some of the details. It didn't happen to me, but Jonathan Brandmeier, apparently in Phoenix, when he was there 40 years ago, somebody was going to play a joke on Brandmeier. So they had a cop come in and load his gun with blanks and, um, and came in and somehow, I don't know if it was again, blurring the details, but, um, he, you know, basically shot the gun in the studio and Brandmeier thought it was, you know, like a real gun. Well, it was a real gun. And um, but of course, it scared the shit out of Brandmeier, who, by the way, that's a legendary DJ who's now in Chicago. And because mm-hmm. uh, he thought the, and the cop, I believe the cop got fired because, yeah. yeah, you can't really guns or, you know, guns and radio. Well, that combination you know, for every stunt, for every stunt like that was that was off the charts. You know, that was unpredictable and terrible. And I yeah, I can't even, you know, but we've also done totally innocent things where we took our stunt guy out and we blindfolded him and we dropped him off down some back road about 25 miles from the radio station. And we took him out of the van. Now, Dave, this is a big old radio station van. It's yellow. It's got the station call letters emblazoned across it. You can't miss it. You know, in the 80s, everything had to stick out. Right. Yeah. yeah. And we dropped him off and we said, you have three and a half hours hours to get back to the radio station okay um and you're gonna have to ask people for rides or whatever you get back and you get this prize whatever and uh somebody called the cops and said that he was he was kidnapped so our two guys that went and dropped him off they they had the cops come out and they surrounded him in a friggin' mcdonald's when they were getting pancakes i mean it's like it was a totally innocent thing and 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 our guys thought the cops were fooling around they were not they don't do that. So, yeah. Isn't it crazy. crazy? Because you know what? I mean, you you talk about how you just can't get away with things like that anymore. No. Because, no. you know, back, it was kind of like radio was different. Our society or culture or whatever was different. And we used to look at things like that and go, good thing nobody got hurt. And now we're right. like, you wouldn't even consider something like that. So I did the water. I did the hold your water contest. I did the how much, how much beef can you eat? Who gains the most weight at, by, by the end of the show? I've done all that stuff. And now we all know, you know, we we, we were so, uh, I don't know, judgy when that happened. You know, we're all referring, every radio person knows the hold your we for a we story, which yeah. we brought up several times. And we've all admitted, you know, that back then when it happened, we all said very self-righteously, I would never do anything like that. But then you thought back and you go, yeah, I think I did that. And it worked out yeah. okay. And nobody died. But, you know, unfortunately, there was the woman who died um, yeah. by drinking a whole lot of water and got like, you know, water intoxication whatever and, and yeah yeah horrible story let's go to new orleans crazy. you're in new orleans it's mardi gras i think this week is mardi gras week <laughs> so let's celebrate an anniversary you're in mardi gras well you're not there but your stunt guy's in mardi gras what happens <laughs> uh, you're going for the throat i love you <laughs> um no you know we and that was the thing we would send our stunt guys everywhere right you'd send them all kinds of places and do all these crazy things and he was on the street and everything was going great and it was really colorful you could feel you know he was great at describing things and he uh and he walks up and he's working now i think he's in albany uh quinn and cantera the guys he's a really good guy and he's excellent talent but uh he he's talking to a, a a guy like a homeless guy and uh and, and I can hear the guy talking. And I said, can I talk to him? And he said, do you want to talk to him? He says, yeah. So he puts him on the phone. And I said, I ask him his name and he tells me his name. 
And I said, so what are you doing? He goes, I don't know. I'm just looking for work. How about if I suck your dick for $25 on the air? No delay. And I was like, oh, my God. And I was, I was, because we aren't, we, we're not that dirty. (laughs) Um, But yeah, that's. Today I'd be I'd be dead for that I'd be dead for that Wow what, what, guess the year on that one come close to what year that happened eighty eighty nine so a long eighty seven eighty eight eighty nine yeah wow maybe the early nineties maybe the early nineties at best I'm not that good at so timelines man I I sucked at school uh, on timelines <laughs> and I, I I in my own life I can't handle it you know. Um, but yeah, there was it, it was those those spontaneous moments that just drop your your jaw where you're like, did he just say that? And then you have to apologize profusely, you know, crazy. Yeah, crazy. But here's the interesting thing. Don't you think, Greg, that when things like that happen, the listeners are usually pretty forgiving because they know you didn't mean it. You, they didn't plan it. Everybody gets, you know, something like that, like, you know, um, that they didn't realize they were, you know, they were on the radio. Yeah. And you didn't realize he was going to say it. So listeners might have been shocked, but they didn't complain or call for your head. Yeah, your your best hope is is that they know your heart. Like if you've been on, like you're on, you've been on a long time in the same spot, just like me. And they know if you do that kind of thing all the time. Well, they they know where your heart is. But if you're not, and something like that, if you don't do those kind of things all the time, and something like that happens, they know, you know. And thankfully, thankfully, we've had a a great uh, audience that kind of understands that at heart we're good people and we don't do that kind of screw up, you know? So years ago I worked in Colorado Springs and we had a sister station up in Aspen and uh, the morning guy calls live on the air to the morning guy up at the station in Aspen. He's like, man, I heard you getting some storms up there. He's like, yeah, it's snowing like shit up here. <laughs> and let me tell you, that was, that was like an earthquake in Colorado Springs. It was like an earthquake, a typhoon. Right. Uh, and it was cr- because the guy said it's snowing like shit. And yeah. everybody panicked and we all thought they were going to close the station down because we were all young. And we really thought that station licenses got revoked for saying shit on the radio. Right. And we were told record every call from now on, never make a live phone call ever again because, you know, but, but at the same time, listeners didn't care. Right. Well, because that happens, you know, it's like if you're talking to your mom and your wife comes in and she's like, you know, you know, um, I don't know, um, uh, this place is a fucking mess. And it's like, Shh, mom's on the phone. You know? Right. Right. Yeah. See, that's the thing, too, is companies, especially for us, like they went through, uh, you know, uh, the companies want you to to be edgy sort of a little bit, a little bit of that to sort of keep the listener interested. But they don't want you to go too far. But they'll they'll want you to push to a certain point, um, you know, and then when you when you maybe cross that point that then they're the ones that will say, well, you shouldn't have gone that far. Yep. But secretly, they've been telling you all along, let's let's push it, push it, push, push it kind of thing. So it's always an interesting an interesting balance, you know. You know, you're so right. And if you got a good manager, they'll support you when you do push it a little bit too far. Right. And then the tricky ones are the ones who are like, I told them not to do stuff like that. You're like, well, but, 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 but you did. So. Yeah, I hate, I hate people like that. I, I, I don't <laughs> care. I've, I've, I've had my run-ins with people and I'm just like, if you, if you, you want us to be out there on the front line, and it should be in any job. This, this translates further than just radio. It really you know, does, doesn't it? it? Yeah. If we're going to go into quote unquote battle together, no matter the job. I got to know you trust me. I got to know you got my back because I'm going to be working for yours. I'm going to, I'm going to get your back. We got to have each other's back. If not go over there. I don't want you around me. That, I mean, it sounds weird and it's not egotistical. It's just simply if, if you're in the heat of the moment in a job where you're walking a high wire all the time, you need to know somebody's got your back. Should things go South, 
That's well, what let's, I think. Let, well, let's move into the one where you're talking about your 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 management wanted you to be a little bit more Howard, like Howard Stern. Yeah. Most people know Howard Stern. You know, he's not so much now. I don't listen to Stern. I'm not necessarily a fan, but I respect him, and I know that he's a huge deal. Um, but he was dirty back in the day. He was like very dirty. Strippers in the studio, lesbians in the studio, mm-hmm. very sexual, very dirty. And your management said, "Hey, tell me the story." They wanted you to be more like Stern, so uh, they want you... yeah they they wanted us to be edgy because uh, Stern was on a BCN in the morning and BCN legendary station out of Boston, obviously, you know and we were going up against him and you can't out Stern Stern. No. And I'm not that guy. You know what I mean? I'm a normal guy from a small town with a family and I'm not, I'm not looking to be anything other than what I am. Right. And they wanted us to sort of be a little bit more edgy. And, you know, it's one of those, it, it was honestly, it might be the second greatest lesson I learned in my, in my career. Um, they wanted me to, to do something and, uh, they didn't come up with the idea. I have to admit that I did, uh, but I'm um, trying to fit their mold. And I hate even saying it because it's so, it's so bad. <laughs> it's bad. But we did in the heat of being, you know, kind of, hey, you need to be a little bit more edgy. We did a uh, an on-air uh, segment and it was called, um, and I'm so sorry to have you say this. I'm, I'm, I'm ashamed. Uh, spit or swallow, and okay. yeah, where well, you got uh, um, people on the phone and you'd ask them questions, you know, normal, basic, everyday, get to know you questions, and then listeners would have to guess which of those two were preferred by the person on the phone. Does that yeah. make sense? Oh, no, totally, yeah, yeah. And it's um, a great, it's a very, it's a great Stern esque kind of a bit, but yeah. if it doesn't and, feel like you. It's not, and you're embarrassed. No, I totally get it. Yeah, and um, you know, it was it was a valuable lesson for me in that we did it a couple of times, and I just, I, I'm ashamed that I did it. And I'm now only in retrospect can you be ashamed once you gain the power to push back, you know, and once you say, every time I've gone against my gut, I was wrong, and that was one of them. You know, where I went against my gut, I knew it wasn't me and I knew it didn't feel right, but I felt pressure. And then I just said, screw you, you know, and I said, we're not doing that anymore. And as soon as I I veered away from that and look, we can still be edgy, just like your show can still be edgy, but without being dirty or nasty, um, all of a sudden everything took off because I was true to my gut and people know when you are not being honest. I think listeners are smart enough to know um, and people in your jobs, when somebody's not being honest with you, you know it, you're smart. Um, and that was a mistake that I made. I'm ashamed to admit that we did that segment. It was only a couple times, but I'm embarrassed that we did it. You know, I, you know, I understand somebody that. I else. We've, we've probably all done things in our career that we're embarrassed about. I'm going to tell you my, when I do this podcast, I, you know, I want to hear your stories, but your stories always remind me of something that happened to me. So when I was probably 24, I worked in Columbus, Ohio. The guy that worked across the street at another radio station, he was an alcoholic and he went away, he went away to rehab and he was gone for a month. So me being a dumb little shit, I thought it'd be funny on his first day back to send our street guy over there with some coffee. Like, Hey, you drunken alcoholic. Here's a funny bit. Have some coffee. Ha ha ha. We brought you coffee. You're a drunk. And I look back at that and I cringe. I'm so just so remorseful about it. Just like, yeah. And and what amazes me, not that it was anybody's fault, but my own, but nobody on my show 
said, Dave, you really got to think through this. This is insulting to this guy. I mean, he just went through rehab. His kids are probably listening. His right. wife is listening. So why would you? And I look back at that as probably one of the low points of my career. I, is just, I agree. You know, so, so I think like anybody, you know what, Greg, it's a, you, you're a big person to talk about that because it is horrifying. It's, it's horrifying. Great stern bit. Not a Greg bit, though. No, not at all. And, and, so, uh, and that and was right, the last time. Go ahead. That was the last time I. No, I was I'm sorry. I was just going to say that was the last time I got pushed around. Well, you said that was the second best, second most important lesson you ever learned. But of course, now I, unless I missed it, what was the first most important? The first lesson? one was when the guy told me find another job, and I was I, I was not going to let that guy decide my future. That that wow. was the first time where I was like, no, 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 not today. I was like Arya Stark, man, in Game of Thrones. Not today. <laughs> that was me. <laughs> I love it. But, now, you know. You, you are talking about <clears throat> management. Yeah. And uh, this is something that I, I admire in people who do this when they go, okay, Greg, we want you. We want you on the show. And we want this person on the show and this person. But this person, we kind of really want to edge out. But you don't go for that. You, this was probably offered to you where at this station or another station, they said, Hey, we want to sign you, Greg, but your team, not so sure. How did that go down? They, well, you know what? Current management is great. I mean, certainly, you know, that's, uh, I'm, I'm not, I can't say anything bad about them. They've been really supportive and, and, and really great. And they realize that I'm a family guy. I mean, I know we've talked about the bad mistakes that I've made, but I'm a family guy and I want to treat, I want to treat the staff that I work with that that I chose like family. There, there's a reason they're they're on the show, and you know, like when you're um, when you're building something, you're asked to build something. Let's say you're you're in sales or whatever, and you build a kick-ass team, and that's kicking ass. And somebody wants to say, "Yeah, well, you know, we think we're going to make a change." Well, then start with me. That's it's start with me because you're not taking any way any of my guys, um, or I'm gone. And that's not, I'm not being a jerk. I don't, I'm not a, I'm not, um, I'm not looking to stir up trouble. I'm not arrogant in that way. I'm just simply saying, you're telling me that you want to change the product. I'm the product with my team. We're all one. It's everybody or none, at least, at least not me. So, um, yeah, one time a a general manager came in and said, we're going to make a change. And I said, then I, then I'm going to need to be the change. Um, and it's not heroic or anything like that. It's just right. You know, that's how I looked at it. It's just the right thing to do. Those are my guys. We go into battle together. I got their back. They got mine. So I admire, you know what, uh, that, that really is. I mean, I, I totally respect you for that. You know, we had a situation back in October where iHeartRadio, like, you know, iHeartRadio gets picked on a lot and, uh, I, I actually like the company. I think yeah. they do a lot of stuff, right? I think they're very forward thinking and I know you're an iHeart guy too. And you know, we're not perfect, but I think we get a lot of stuff, right? I love the way we're forward thinking and, um, you know, we're more innovative than a lot of the, you know, like companies that are not, and you know, we're the forefront of podcasting and we saw podcasting as like, oh shit, that's the new thing before a lot of other companies did. And we came up with iHeartRadio. You know, yeah. I say we, like it was your idea and my right, idea. Right, Greg, right, good right, job right. on that iHeartRadio. Good job. Right, um, right. And, uh, but but they had to do layoffs, just like airlines had to do layoffs and hotels had to do layoffs. And I'm sure in your building, there were probably some people who didn't make the round of layoffs. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we lost a big player on our show November and uh, we were totally blindsided because we really thought on our morning show, 
that nobody would get laid off. And, um, uh, and that's just the way it happened. And, and, and it sucked it and we were suck. shell shocked, Yeah, you know, for a couple of weeks and the listeners were shell shocked. And then we got the, you know, the thing that happens whenever anybody leaves a show, I'll never listen again. I'll never listen again. The show will right. never be the same. And that kind of made me like that made you when your consultant told you, you need to find another career. I was like, no, I'm not going to turn this. The show is, is going to be different because there's not going to be as many people on it. The voices are different, but it's still going to be a good show. And Fallon and Jenny felt the same way. And we're like, no, we're not going to go. Well, we're going to kind of give up. We worked harder than ever to fill in that. You can't really fill in the hole because we don't have a Steve shaped peg to put in that hole. So we kind of, distracted people to look away from the hole for, for lack of a better uh, analogy. But um, people have a way of thinking about radio that, that they don't translate it to a job, their, their, their job. But indeed, yeah. it's the same. You know, we uh, I had a guy on our show for 17 years, uh, Andy Blacksmith, who passed away um, because he didn't get it. He, he was waiting for a heart transplant that never came. And going through that and living through that on the air was, you know, was hard. I mean, you know, we, we, we tried to hide how bad it was, but eventually, you know, uh, he was very honest about it. He lived the whole thing on the air. When he passed away, people are like, well, the show's not going to be the same. I'm like, do you say that to a family? I mean, of course it's not going to be the same. It can't be, but you learn how to heal together. You know, I, we lean on you, you lean on us and the audience. And I got to say management has been absolutely phenomenal. Uh, but when you go through something like that, where you lose somebody, you just try to heal and move on. You know, you don't fold up the circus and, and go home. You do the best you can. Is it the same? No. But, you know, you can you can survive. You can survive. So That's a really powerful way to put it, Greg, when you say, you know, do you say that to a family? Let's say grandma dies. You don't say to the Smith family, well, God, now your family's never going to be the same. No shit. Thank you very much. Or um, who are you going to replace her with? Who's yeah. going to sit in grandma's chair? <laughs> don't say that shit. Well, we're looking for somebody. We're hiring. We got some feelers out. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, you know what? And, and, and that brings me to one last thing here and this, you know, we'll get, we've got through all the stuff that anybody could listen to the horror stories and people who aren't in radio love that stuff. Yeah. Let me spend a, a five minutes with, with you here, uh, Greg, to talk about, you know, radio, when you and I started, you didn't talk about your personal life, you right. played the hits, you did a couple of wacky bits, yep. you did some silly games, but you would have right. never talked about you know, your mom's Alzheimer's or your wife's cancer scare or anything like that. But apparently you guys, I mean, you live through uh, this co-workers, you know, heart disease and, and right. search for a heart transplant. Um, and the listeners, they, I wouldn't say appreciate is not necessarily the right word, but it's real. And people uh, do appreciate that you're real with your life. Yeah. I, I've always said it's the one thing I can't fail at is just being me. You know what I mean? I, every time I try to be someone else, like when I was trying to be with the company at that time and all those people aren't around anymore. So, but I mean, when they wanted me to be something I wasn't, I failed, but the more I was relaxed and kind of just was real. And that meant, you know, the good and bad stuff, you know, um, you know, uh, when I'm set, when it's all said and done, this is, uh, our first day back after Andy had passed away, you know, going on the air at seven o'clock, you know, uh, instead of five thirty to to do that first break was really difficult. I mean, for all of us, yeah. it was it was 
unbelievably emotional. And uh, I played a song and I went to come out of the song. It was his, you know, a song that he liked. And I, I said, so, and immediately I welled up with tears because I, I, I'm an emotional guy. And I sat there and I, I, I tried to collect myself and I'm looking at the emails coming in. Bing, 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 bing. They're going down the computer screen. I can read them. And they all said the same thing. They said, we're right here with you, Cretchy. And I sat there and I, I don't know if there's anything greater in radio or anything to have that kind of reaction. You know, it was, it was the greatest moment of my career that to, to have them, to feel them. I'm getting emotional. I'm sorry, but to, to have that, you know, and you know, I think that's one of the things that you do form with your audience is, is a kind of an emotional bond like that. And I think that's one of the things that, you know, I think you and I probably have a lot in common that way. I really respect our listeners. I think of them as yeah. friends. Yeah. I think there's a lot of radio people who think of listeners as numbers or a, a literally a pain in the ass sometime. And I work with people who their listeners or their fans. It's like, no, they're not fans. They're people. Thank you. Who happen to listen to the show. Right. And uh, I've worked with people who are like, oh, God, they're a pain in the ass. They won a prize. They never got their prize. Then they call the bitch because their prize has taken seven weeks to get there. Yeah. Fuck them. It'll get there eventually. Stop. And I'm like, no, that's not really. I think people with that attitude should be escorted out the door. Yeah. Because what you and I work on to have with our listeners is a relationship, a friendship, and you got to trust each other. You know, they always they always talk about how it's a, it's like a one way relationship. They know all about us and we don't know about them. That moment when that happened was the first time when I fully understood that it is a two way relationship, because that moment when I read that all of these people saying that at the same time was like, wow. It's, it is a community. You know what I mean? I, I, I'm, I, I'm trying not to – I don't want to make it sound overdramatic or anything like that, but it was a, an unbelievable realization and feeling to have and experience to have in that moment. Uh, yeah, it's so well put. I think there's a lot of people who just don't realize that. You know, I, I work yeah. with some shows – and uh, and I have to remind some younger shows. It's like you know what you're not. We're not trying to be cool anymore. Right. Talk about your human side. Talk about your emotions. It's okay to break down on the air, you know, once in a while. And you know, like when I talked about my kid moved away to college a couple of years ago. Holy crap! I probably cried on the air like once a week yeah. talking about my kid moving away to college. And uh, I want you to check on him because I think he's down in Berkeley, not too far from you. <laughs> okay. And I want to know how much weed he smokes. Okay. I just want to know, Greg, if you can make a drive down there, I'll give you his apartment number. Okay. Just walk in one day and see if the house just reeks of weed. I, uh, I, I have friends down there and they've said there's been a shortage of weed because somebody keeps buying it all. But Shit. I'm sure it's really? not your son. <laughs> God damn it. I fucking knew it. <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, a shortage of weed. I got to tell him that one. That's funny. Dude, I, Greg, I, I appreciate you. I, I appreciate the way you uh, approach, you know, your job, your life, obviously, as a, a, a legendary radio guy, your book uh, title could not be more true. And as simple and as easy as like as simple as it is, you know, uh, it, it is so true, you know, show up, don't be late, don't steal anything. It's it is so simple. That's the we, we, we worry all our lives about trying to be the next best thing and create the next. The key is the simple stuff like that. So I genius title for that book, man. 
Genius. Oh, thanks. Well, you know what? I, I, th- I said, well, this is my working title, but it sucks. And the, the, the person who helped me with the book, she said, no, that's actually a decent title. I said, no, it's not. You're just saying that because that's the easy answer. She's like, no, yeah. it really is. Right. I said, okay, it's a little long, but it works. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to give yeah. you one last question if you have time. Okay. Yeah. This is totally an inside radio kind of a thing. How do you prepare for your show? Because I know that shows like ours sound like it's all off the top of our head. We sound like, oh, this comes up and oh, isn't it convenient that this came up and this came up. How do you prepare for your show or does it literally just come off the top of your head and maybe that works for you? Um, It it does. uh, Well, nothing is scripted. Nothing is scripted, but um, I always go in with a framework, which can change at, at any time. And basically, it, it has a lot to do with what's going on in our lives. And, you know, we'll talk about certainly we talk about stuff in the news, uh, but more in how that news affects our, our our lives kind of thing. I'm never not preparing. There's never a moment in the day when I'm not in one way or another preparing because everything that happens in our lives is what we can bring to the show. It's nonstop. It's exhausting. And there's never a night when I don't have homework and you know exactly what I'm talking about. I do. Yeah. People are surprised because they're like, well, you work four hours a day. I mean, what do you do the rest of the day? It's like, we're always looking for something else to talk about. And then sometimes we go, oh, tomorrow at seven o'clock, we're going to talk about this, but then maybe something happens at eight o'clock and you get in a fight with your wife and you're like, nope, we're going to talk about that instead. So it's always changing, ever evolving. So Greg, fascinated to talk to you. Great stories. Thanks. You know, it's so funny. Everybody that I meet on this podcast is like, I could hang with that guy. That guy's <laughs> super cool. I want to hang with that guy. So, uh, well, I would love to hang with you when we get through with this pandemic stuff. We can we can have a have a drink together or something like that. So, again, uh, you know what? So. I'm going to take you up on that. When I come out to see my son in Boston, um, uh, I'm going to drive up and see you. So yeah, or I'll come down there. I mean, it's just it's a it's a hop, skip and a jump. It's right down the road, man. But I really appreciate you having me on, man. I, I hope I didn't bore anybody to tears, but, you know. <laughs> no, this is great stuff. All right. uh, Greg okay. Kretschmar, and uh, appreciate you so much being on the podcast. All right. Thanks, Dave. All right. I think you're going to be happy to know that next week on the podcast, Lee Valsvik. Lee Valsvik has agreed to be on Take a Shower, Show Up on Time and Don't Steal Anything, the uh, Radio War Stories episode and uh, the series. And Lee Valsvik and I worked together from 93 until about 99 or so maybe 2000, right around there. And Lee was the original co-host of the Dave Ryan in the Morning Show. And Lee and I have got some great war stories because we lived through some very colorful days at KDWB. So plus it'll be good to like do a little show with my partner again, who was my partner for like seven or eight years. So that'll be very cool. Next week on the podcast, Lee Falsvik. Love to hear your feedback. Love to hear what you like about the podcast. Or if you want it, it's like, Dave, it's time to get back to doing something else instead. Or Dave, I love these. Tell me more about this. Or Dave, here's a question that I have about radio. I've always wondered why. Love to hear from you. Send me an email to ryanshow at kdwb.com. Hey, don't forget, it's all based on the book. Take a shower, show up on time, and don't steal anything. Uh, which is all about little life hacks and um, little things that we can all learn from, that I've learned from, from my mistakes. So wrapping it up, thank you so much for listening to the podcast, and we'll see you next week. Mm